You're listening to Paranormal Portal on Revolver Podcasts. everybody and welcome to the paranormal portal podcast i'm your host brent thomas thank you all so much for being here and being a part of what we're doing and thank you to all of you been spreading the word uh i really appreciate all your efforts on our behalf if you've got a paranormal story of your very own please give us an email send it over to paranormalportalradio at gmail.com and uh, we can touch base and get it dialed in and you too could be a guest on the show but I uh, got a great show lined up for you guys today. I've got Gary from New Zealand on the horn with me, and he's had a whole host of uh, incredible experiences that he's here to share. So uh, I hope you all are ready because we're going in. Hey, Gary, welcome to the show. Hi, Brett. Hi. How's everything for you today? Good, good. A little bit overcast. It's uh, it's winter, of course, down here, uh-huh. um, but it's it's not raining, and that's that's good. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, thank you so much for making the time to be here with me. I know we've had to juggle schedules a little bit, but I'm glad we were finally able to dial this in and make it work. So um, probably the best place to start, brother, is uh, where did this all begin for you? Um, okay, I've I, I've had lots of experiences um, with hauntings, ghosts, um, um, and, and I believe um, alien contact. Wow. Um, if if I go right back to the very beginning, the 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 first experiences I had were when I was probably around about the age of five. Wow. Okay. Uh, my parents split up when I was about four or five, and we moved in with my grandparents. Um, this is a town in, in the middle of England. Mm-hmm. And um, I shared a room with my sisters. Um, my grandparents were in one room, my mum in another, and my sisters and I in another. And for a long time, I thought it was just really bad dreams. Mm-hmm. I thought they were just bad dreams um, that everybody had. Um and this went on for quite a while, and they, it happened so so often that it almost became normal. Um, but uh, what would happen is, um, at some point in the middle of the night, I would wake, um, and I had to share a bed with one of my sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- th- my sisters wouldn't wake; they they wouldn't move; they were completely a- asleep. Nobody else seemed to be uh, awake in that house. Now, remember, I'm a little boy; I'm four or five. Mm-hmm. Um, quite small i couldn't put the lights on but for some reason and let's just say it's a dream for now i'm compelled to get out of bed um to leave the bedroom walk down the landing 
down the stairs, and it's a big house. It was a very old um, Edwardian house in England, great big house, old and spooky anyway. <laughs> I'd walk down the stairs in the dark, and I'd come to the bottom of the stairs, and on the right was a door leading into a living room, and in front was a, was a, was a, the, uh, the door to the, the front door, and then you went around a corner to the left, and that led you down through to the dining room and other various parts of the house. When I got to the bottom of the stairs... The door on my right always freaked me out because I knew that's where these things were gonna were gonna come from, oh. and, and I would I would try to walk away from that room, but everything seemed to be really slow. And before I could get down the the the, the hallway into another room, these beings would come through the door. Now they were literally there were three of them. They were always in threes. And they would float through the door, one behind the other. They they didn't walk on the floor. They seemed to float above the ground. Wow. And they they almost looked human, but they weren't. And as a four or five year old, you you are familiar with with what people look like, and and you're familiar with things that aren't normal. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't normal. Um, I couldn't scream. I couldn't shout. They would walk toward, they were bald, they were bald-headed, kind of humanoid-looking, and they seemed to wear um, some sort of uh, suit, close-fitting suit, and they would float very slowly, one behind the other, um, towards me. And before they got to me, I wouldn't remember anything else, and I'd wake up. Wow. So this, this dream I had again and again and again. Um, I'm 58 now, and this happened 53 years ago, and it's still as clear in my head. I can still see it as clearly today as it, as it happened 53 years ago. So this dream happened regularly. Uh, it used to freak me out. I used to get scared. I used to hate getting out of bed, but I couldn't help. It's almost like I had to walk down the stairs. It was like they were calling me down the stairs. Mm-hmm. That happened many times. Another experience I had, um, I was actually in my grandparents' bed. Uh, I was frightened one night, and um, and I was in my bed, and I was suddenly lifted out of the bed um, and floated up, and I could see my grandparents below me, and they just got smaller and smaller and smaller as I moved up, as if I was going up towards the corner of the room. Wow. You know, the corner, something was lifting me up to the corner of the bedroom and they and they were getting smaller and smaller and smaller and then and then i wouldn't remember anything so that happened and that's all i can remember um the time i felt that i was lifted out of the bed and the many times that these these beings whatever they were would come through the door mm-hmm. and so i thought it was a dream it wasn't until i was in my teenage years that uh, so this is this is the mid-70s now that i was starting to read books and um, watch television programs, which were talking about paranormal and alien contact and and all this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. When it triggered a memory, like, my gosh, you know, what these people are talking about, things floating through walls, uh, and and they they often seem to be in threes, you know, Mm -hmm. they they always seem to be, you know, in numbers. Uh, It was never one, it was always the three of them. Um, I suddenly realized, wow, did this happen to me? Is, am I, did I experience what other people are talking about? Right. So it wasn't until I was, you know, at 14 or 15 that I read books and I, and I was absolutely fascinated. It, it, it was something that really pulled at my, at my heartstrings and, right. and my mind. You know, I, you know the, there was obviously something more to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's my my experience with um let's say alien contact um yeah. you know it, it could have been a dream i may have been dreaming it, it you know it, it might have been my imagination but it was very clear mm-hmm. it was very uh, it was very real to me as a small child and something i couldn't explain and i don't know if i did try to explain it yeah. um so it wasn't it wasn't for another 10 years that i suddenly um came across Articles and books and magazines and television shows, you know, yeah. um, which which reminded me of, of those experiences. That is, um, I've been fascinated by it ever since. Ever since, very powerful. And so initially, you thought it was a, a spiritual kind of thing, but 
Uh, it was later that you realized that it. I, I don't know what I thought it was. Okay. I thought they were really bad dreams. Sure. Um, I only had them when I was probably around about five or four, five or six. I think after that it stopped. Oh, I don't remember anything right. after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do remember it happening a few times, not just once, right. which is why that memory is is really burned into my you know, my psyche, it's, uh, it's something I can't forget. I can, I can, I, you know, you ask me this question five years from now, I'll tell you exactly the same story, sure. you know, yeah. it's, um, it's, uh, so I've been fascinated by it. So, um, do I believe they, they're real? Yes, I believe they're real. Uh, where do they come from? Well, that's, uh, that's a million dollar question. Um, <laughs> I've read endless books and I've read endless, um, um, articles on YouTube and Google about, I've, I've been fascinated by the subject for years and years and years and years. And I'm c- totally convinced that, um, that they're real, that they absolutely are, are real. But, and, and so many people have these experiences. Mm-hmm. So many people talk about, um, various types of being, you know, whether they're the yeah. greys or reptilians or, um, um, you know, the insect toys or, or right. even the, um, the Nordics or whatever, you know, sure. there's, there's, there's so many stories out there. Um, so that's, that's my, that's my story about, um, what I believe was contact. Yeah. yeah. Now, do, do, just, uh, out of curiosity, do you have RH negative factor blood? No, I'm positive. Oh, positive. Okay. okay. Uh, and and so that's not a, that. yeah, that's, I mean, that's not a solid golden rule to it, but there does seem to be a, a predominance of people that experience, uh, you know, the, the abductions, uh, tend to, t- there tends to be a favoring towards the RH negative, but it's not, it's not that there aren't uh, RH positive as well. Yeah, no, no, I'm O positive. Okay. Yeah, me Quite too. Quite calm common blood <laughs> <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> oh that is fascinating uh incredible uh but did as you're as you're looking through things since then did they look like the grays or did they look like something you, you... um well it's hard to say because there's been lots of different variations of what a gray looks like right. you know Good uh, point. people's um um view of a gray can change from one person to another sure. they they were bald i know that they didn't have hair so mm-hmm. their heads were they huge um not massively okay. over shaped okay. um they had almost a human face but they weren't they you know i knew that they weren't and that's what was scary i suppose yeah because in my mind they were like little monsters mm-hmm. coming through the door um but they never opened the door they never opened the door handle and walk through. They float. They literally floated through, yeah. uh, which again, you know, when you're a small child, is surprising. Yeah. You know, it's magic. You know, how does that happen? You know, how can <laughs> these things do this? And and we don't understand. And we don't we don't know what how they do it. You know. Right. But um, it's been a, it's been something that I've been interested in since since then. Have you ever thought about uh, doing a regression hypnosis to see? Yeah, I did actually about oh. two years ago, um, and uh, um, I met a. I, well, I didn't meet her. I found a lady in in, in New Zealand, um, but I wasn't really convinced that she had my best interest at heart. Oh, you know, sure. um, yeah. so I I didn't, didn't do that. I've I've read stories and I've listened to people who who've been very good at doing that around the world especially in america mm-hmm. um but so who knows maybe one day i i, I will you know I, i'd like to try it definitely like to try it yeah yeah it'd be interesting to to see what what you don't remember and and you know it's one of those yeah. it's one of those pandora's boxes though because once once you remember you, you you're going to remember it so yes yes um but you know they always returned me they always put me back you know yeah. they, they 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 didn't eat me you know they, you know they uh <laughs> you know and and um when they when I was raised out of the bed, I mean that was as real to me as as t- talking to you. Um, again, it could have been a dream, it could have been my imagination, but it it I remember it very clearly. They were obviously taking me somewhere. They were obviously lifting me up and taking me to somewhere. They weren't just you know visiting me and touching me, chatting with me, you know, right. having having a hot chocolate. You know, they <laughs> they obviously had they took me somewhere, but uh, right. where I don't know. And is there any other any other history in the family of this kind of thing that you're aware of? 
Well, nobody ever talked about it in my family, though my grandparents on my mother's side, this is the, the parents I live with, my granddad was fascinated by this sort of thing. You know, he, he, he I, it was these magazines and books that I actually found ah. and started reading them. So um, he had an interest, but he never talked about anything unusual. Okay. Um, my grandma, who was incredibly serious, a very um, almost cold woman um didn't give out much love and affection of where i remember as a child she did tell me a story that when she was uh, a nurse during the war um she was on night duty and um it what appeared to be a head just the head of somebody floated through the ward wow. and just went straight past her <clears throat> and i always found that fascinating so i knew she'd had an experience mm. but again we didn't really talk about, you know, as a child, I, I was to be seen and not heard, sure. you know, so, yeah. um, so nothing, no, we, I didn't get anything really out of anybody, you know, family-wise, so I have no idea, yeah. I have no idea, but I know what you're saying, because they yeah. say it's generation after generation after generation, mm -hmm. which is interesting, because that could lead me on to something later about um, my family, my, my uh, um, family now. Okay, very cool. So what what happened next that you recall? Um, and, uh, the the other strain. I mean, I, I wrote you a, a list of things. Yes, um, sir. So I'm going through the, the, the years. Um, is the is the reincarnation um, story, uh, mm -hmm. which again has fascinated me um, for many 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 years, um, and and, I, and it is amazing. When I was about eleven years of age, I, yeah, roughly eleven. I think I just started high school. They call it high school in Britain. Sure. Um, I was fascinated by Napoleon, Napoleon Bonaparte. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but Napoleon was, in my mind, this amazing French character. Uh, yeah. And um, I remember I wrote a biography on him for um, one of my history um, uh, exams mm -hmm. and um, studied and got books and read about him and was totally, totally fascinated by, by Napoleon. Um, when the film The Battle of Waterloo came out um, in the late 60s, I went to see it um, and was mesmerized by it. Wow. The, the, uh, the, the, the amount of, of human beings in a gaze in a battle, the, the uniforms, the, the carnage, um, you know, the destruction. It was fast. I was totally fascinated by that, that, that battle and, and, uh, and Napoleon. Um, and when I was about 16, I had another dream, which again, is one of those dreams that you kind of remember forever. In this dream, it started off where I, I, there was a, there was a, a, a large, um, single story, thatched building and and, and uh, all around it were tied horses loads of lots and lots and lots of brown dark horses they're all tied up and it's almost like i came out of the clouds and straight down into this building wow. because i remember seeing it coming down like a drone coming over it mm -hmm. seeing the horses and the next thing i'm inside and it's it's a it's a bar it's a it's a, an inn mm -hmm. and it's full of soldiers and we're all we're all sitting and um we looked like we were in uniform of that period mm -hmm. um, and we were all drinking beer. And I remember the barmaids were, were coming over to us with big tankards of beer and, and ale. And um, we didn't understand the language they were speaking. They spoke a foreign language, but they understood what we wanted and beer kept coming so forth. Um, sometime later, we all left the, the inn. We got onto our horses and we walked very slowly all in together back down to our camp. Our camp had the old fashioned round tents of that period. Mm -hmm. And um, we, we, people, we were taking the tents down. So it must have been about five in the morning. We were starting to yeah, take, taking the tents down. Mm -hmm. They called me over. Uh, I think they were quite upset with me because I, you know, I'd been out drinking all night and they were <laughs> having to take the tent down. So I, I went over to take the tent down with these other guys. But I went over to a ditch and I put two chickens and I tied their legs together. I'd, I'd obviously found, caught two chickens, tied their legs together so they weren't going to go anywhere and hid them in a ditch. And I was trying to make sure that those chickens were still there. And then I ran over to help take the tent down. And as we're taking the tent down, um, we could look right across the fields. Way over yonder was the enemy camp. Wow. And we were staring, what, watching the enemy way, 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 way over yonder. And they were all red. They were all wearing, they were all in red uniforms. Mm -hmm. And then I woke up 
I woke up from from this dream, and I remember waking up thinking, "Wow, that was really weird. That was a weird, intense dream." But what surprised me more than anything was that I was obviously a French per a French soldier, mm-hmm. and the enemy were the British. Right. And being a Brit, I would assume that you would dream that you would be a Brit, right? And the enemy would be the French. Mm-hmm. So that 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 really um, um, uh, surprised me. I've always had a love of horses. I've, I've ridden since I was very young. I love horses. Horses and dogs are my favorite animals. Mm-hmm. But if I ever see a horse, I feel obliged to go over to it and touch it, yeah. you know, yeah. breathe on it. You know, I had this real strong feeling with horses. Um, so in that dream, whatever, I, I was a Frenchman. And I was obviously in um, what appeared to be Napoleon's army. Mm. Now, that was about 16. Um, years and years later, I, I left school. I'd, I'd spent a year in Israel. I'd spent five years in Florida. And uh, in 89, uh, a friend of mine in, in Florida said, look, do you want to um, go overseas to, to Spain? Let's take our bikes, our mountain bikes. Let's cycle down through France into Spain and let's pick oranges. And then we'll come back. So we'll go over there for about four months. And I said, yeah, absolutely. So we packed our bikes up. We flew to the UK. We, uh, we then um, got a ferry across to France to um, um, Cherbourg, which is a town in the north of, uh, of France, Normandy. Mm-hmm. Now, I had no feelings about the French. I, I, I studied French for a while at school and then I dropped it. I thought, I thought to myself, it's a, it's a language I don't need to know. I'm never going to speak the language. You know, it's a waste of time. So I dropped French as a language. Mm-hmm. Wasn't interested. Wasn't absolutely no interest whatsoever in the French. Because um, as you'll know from history, the French and the British have always, yeah. you know, <laughs> been head to head, you know, through, yeah. through time. So I didn't really think much of the French didn't really know anybody in France, um, uh, you know. So we were going to cycle our bikes from France, through France, into Spain, go and pick oranges. But when we got off the ferry at the port in Cherbourg, when we, we were pushing our bikes down the gangplank onto Cherbourg, and it's all cobbled stones, we were riding through the, 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 the port. I had the most amazing deja vu that I was actually home. This was my home. It was a massive, massive, uh, it was almost like someone had thrown a bucket of cold water at you. You know, this this feeling, overwhelming feeling that I was home. Never felt that way growing up in Britain. Never felt that in Israel. Never felt that in Florida. But suddenly as I was riding my bike on those cobbled stones in Cherbourg uh, Port, Mm -hmm. this amazing deja vu. And I ended up living in France for three years and having to learn to speak French. So, um, so yeah, so thinking about it, the deja vu, the dream that I had, the fascination with horses, the fascination with Napoleon, Mm -hmm. it makes me wonder, did I live in a previous life? Was I a French soldier in Napoleon's army? Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so I do believe, I believe quite strongly that we are we reincarnate we we come back and and we live a life again Uh, why um well that's lots of speculation yeah um but we do we do Mm -hmm. um and i don't think we have much choice um so we do we live again and again and again and again and i don't know what the time difference is between one life and the next yeah so i don't know i've lived between now and an 18 15 or whatever but um and i don't even know if i died in that battle. You know, I, I, I can't be for sure that I, that I died. Okay, everybody. I think it's time we got to take a break. So don't go away and we'll be right back with more of the paranormal portal podcast in just a couple minutes. Hey guys, Brent Thomas here of the Paranormal Portal Podcast. We just wanted to take a moment to introduce you to the Paranormal Portal store. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, leggings, stickers, mugs, you name it, you might find it over there. So head on over to teespring.com stores paranormal portal and you too can help fund the Paranormal Portal Podcast. 
Thank you so much for all that you do, and thank you for being a part of our Paranormal Portal family. everybody and we're back and we're back at it here on the paranormal portal podcast buckle up we're going in though i do have a, a another memory of looking at a woman a young woman from behind in a room uh wearing that sort of period costume and she's staring out of a window so i, ne- I, I could never see her face but i got the sense that she was very very sad and she was staring at this room. So I, I often wonder, you know, was it me she was waiting for to come back? And I never did come back. Wow. So um, it, it's just, yeah, it's another one of those, you know, you put all the little jigsaw pieces yeah. to, together yeah. and, and they all start to make sense. To me anyway. So, so most people, they probably wouldn't make sense. But, uh, yeah, so I, I do feel that we do reincarnate. And that was my one of my lives, previous lives. That's really powerful, and I think you're right for what it's worth. I mean, and not that my opinion makes it more true or less, but I, I really do believe that that we 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 we're on this journey a few times before we're done, and uh, I, I think it's very powerful to have such an experience like that because I don't know it just makes it makes things so much more interesting to me. You know, it's incredibly potent yeah. and powerful. Well, as I say, if you ask me this question five years from now, I would tell you exactly the same story. It's right. it's something that's so clear. You know, the, the, mm-hmm. the dreams are so clear in my head. I mean, I, how often do we wake up and we can't remember a dream, let alone yes. a dream 10 years ago, 20, 30 years ago, you know? Mm-hmm. And go, oh, yeah, I still remember that dream. Wow, it was very, very real. So uh, that's my... Um, reincarnation story mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think it's great now you've not had any uh similar dreams since then it's just that one time um yeah i i well i had many dreams well no it's very strange but but nothing nothing related okay. nothing that yeah. has, a, has a, a correlation with each other you know yes exactly uh, okay yeah yeah wow very cool that's very powerful yeah so then we we are uh, your journey continues. <laughs> yes, it does continue. So, I have two hauntings, two ghost stories, mm-hmm. and uh, and I have another story which I could, if you're interested, which oh, is um, yes. uh, um, spirit guides and whether we have a, a an angel or a spirit guide. But I'll, I'll tell you one of my my I've got two haunting stories if you want to hear them both. But I can Please. tell you one one of my haunting stories. Yeah, I'd love to hear everything you so, want to share. So I, I moved back to the UK in 1991, and I was living in London. And um, I was going into to drama school, and um, I didn't have a lot of money. And I found a bedsit available in, in Wimbledon, which is the part West London. And the bedsit was close to the underground station, the, 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 the subway, mm-hmm. and, and a railway station. So it had direct linked straight into the city uh, and it's a beautiful little town Wimbledon it's a very pretty um, part of, of London okay and I found an advert in a shop window um, room to rent and it was relatively cheap so I went and introduced myself and it was an older couple um, very old and they happened to be Mormons so they're you know they're, they're of the Mormon faith sure uh, though, though they told me the story he originally had been a Protestant Northern Irishman, okay. married a Catholic girl from the South. His family had kicked him out of the family because he obviously, being a Protestant, married a Catholic. He converted to Catholicism. They moved to the South in Ireland. Then they moved to the UK and they became Mormons. So I was interested in their little direction they'd gone in, a, in the, religiously. Right. But I remember talking to me with this very strong accent, saying, saying now listen, um, it's a clean room. Uh, and you can stay here as long as you want, but these are the these are the rules. We don't allow any illicit drugs. Mm-hmm. We don't allow alcohol, and we certainly don't allow women 
back. So I'm, I'm, you know, a 30 year old man. Uh, I'm young, I'm single. So I was there for two years. And over that two years, <clears throat> I did smoke a little pot. Mm-hmm. I did drink quite a few beers and other various um, alcoholic beverages. Mm-hmm. And I used to sneak girls back up to my room, <laughs> sneak them up and sneak them out. Uh-huh. And this, this went on for two years and they, they never they never knew about it, you know. So uh, as far as they, you know, they didn't have to know. It was all, you know, it was all kosher. <laughs> so... I had a Swedish girlfriend at this point, at this one time, and I'd just been over to visit her. She was living in England, in London. She was at drama school. We'd just been over to Sweden for a couple of weeks' holiday in the summer. Mm-hmm. And I came back, and um, the, 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 the lady, the, the woman, the, the landlady, was quite sad, and I asked her what the problem was. And she said that her husband had just died, oh, and it was God. quite sudden. And I was, I was surprised more than anything, because even though he was an old fella, he was still quite fit, mm-hmm. and he'd actually put up a scaffold outside um, my bedroom window, and he was painting the house red. You know, he's painting the whole outside of the house red. So he was still quite strong and fit for, for uh, uh, somebody in his late 80s, but he died. But secretly, I was kind of pleased because he, he was a grumpy old fart, you know. <laughs> he, he wasn't the nicest person, mm-hmm. um, and I, to be honest, thought she'd be better off without him. Oh. So um, um, he died, and um, it almost started that very night I got back. It was summer, and I remember going up to my room, and it was a, it was a hot evening. And I had the window open, and um, the sca- as I say, there was scaffolding outside my bedroom window. He, he, he put it up there a few days before and was, was painting. And there, there must have been a rope or a piece of cord hanging on part of the scaffolding, and it started to... Uh, swing against the, the, the pipe and make a, a dunk, a dunk, mm-hmm. dunk. And I'm lying there thinking, ah, oh. I was too tired because I just got back from Sweden, you know. So I'm thinking, do, do I have the energy to um, uh, get up? But it kept moving. It kept swinging as if someone was out there swinging it. Wow. At which point I was convinced there was somebody there. Uh-huh. And I jumped up and um, there was nobody there. And it was really like really odd because I was convinced there was somebody there. And from that time on, for the next few months, I would wake in the night, convinced there was somebody in my room. I had this very strong feeling that there was somebody watching me. <clears throat> Excuse me. And there was nobody there. I put the lights on. It's empty. So um, I, I um, thought it must be. The, the old chap, he's come back to haunt me. And I tell him to get lost, go away, you know, give me some space, sure. um, you know, move on to wherever you've got to go. Um, but it, it didn't. It, it kept haunting me for, for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And then eventually it did go. It just stopped. Um, now, at the end of the year, Christmas, my girlfriend at the time and I went back over to Sweden for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And we're at a party and we're we're all chatting and drinking and we got talking about ghosts and somebody said you know have you had a ghostly experience and i said oh it's funny you should ask that because i think my landlord came back to haunt me (laughs) and they're like wow i said yeah i never saw him never saw him but i felt his presence really strong feeling he was in my room but never saw him Mm -hmm. anyway at the end of the party i'm walking back to my girlfriend's house and she said looked at me and she was very serious and she said you never told me you, you had a ghost in your room. And I sort of smiled and said, well, I'm not going to tell you because you'd think I was mad, you know. <laughs> she said, I saw him. And, and I said, what do you mean? She said, on one occasion when I was staying with you, I was woken up by something and I opened my eyes and he was there kneeling down, staring at me, really, really angry, really pissed off. And I could almost smell his bad breath. And, and I just... Uh, turned away and, and hugged you and thought it was a really bad dream. And I asked her, why didn't you tell me? And she said, I didn't want you to think I was mad. <laughs> so so she saw him and I felt him for, for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then eventually it did just stop. Uh, and I didn't, it, it moved on. That's amazing. It, yeah. Wow. And, you know, I've wondered about that. That that seems to be a common theme when somebody passes away. There is a period of time that they seem to dwell among us. And I don't know if that's a, a transitory thing or, or what, but uh, that's pretty interesting. And then it just suddenly stopped. Huh. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah. So I, I again, I don't know, but he was obviously unhappy yeah. <laughs> with me. Um, I don't think I stayed there much longer than that. I, I kind of moved away just to another to another apartment. But um, that was an experience I had. So um, this this story um, is about a, a haunted um, tree, um, and what I believe I have a, a spirit guide. Um, so I'll tell you about the spirit guide and how I believe I have a spirit guide, and then I'll tell you about this this particular tree. Okay, everybody, I think it's time we got to take a break, so don't go away, and we'll be right back with more of the Paranormal Portal podcast in just a couple minutes. everybody and we're back and we're back at it here on the paranormal portal podcast buckle up we're going in so back in the 80s when i was a younger man uh, i was living in florida um so i'm in my mid-20s and um i had a friend whose sister owned the house that she rented so this friend of mine she she rented this house with her husband mm-hmm. but her sister owned it and her sister lived up in um i think chicago up, up north you know okay and she was coming down to live in that house a, a marriage had broken up and oh. she wanted to get away for a while so she was moving back down to florida mm-hmm. and she was coming in to live in this house and um i was looking for a place to live at the time and so i was introduced to the to her sister and she said yeah you can come and pay rent and share this part of the house so it's a large house so one sister lived in one part of the house with her husband and the other sister that i just met was going to live in the other part okay and the first thing she had me do was paint the interior of the house white Mm. so she said your first month's rent will be free if you decorate the house i said yep yep great terrific (laughs) so she got all the paint so all i had to do was just paint it you know with the rollers and the brushes but it was all white it was all white paint and okay. um, I said to her, I said, uh, look, I, you know, it's not my, my business, but why are we painting everything white? Why don't we put a little bit of, you know, blue or green or pink or anything? Yeah. And she said, well, okay. And she's, she's probably in her 40s. Mm-hmm. So she's older, much older than me, you know. And um, she'd been a police um, chief. She'd oh. been the chief of police somewhere, mm-hmm. and she'd also um, managed a hospital up north. So she was a pretty smart woman, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, she wasn't, you know, she wasn't stupid or anything like that. And she said, I'll tell you something. I'm, I'm psychic. Uh, and I didn't know much about this. I hadn't really had experience about psychics and mediums and sure and paranormal you know I, I you know i'm 24 years of age and you know the, the world's my oyster and i'm learning <laughs> so i'm psychic and, and i see spirits and i also see people's auras now if someone comes into my house if they've got a white background i can see very clearly mm-hmm. what their aura is whether it's a good energy or it's a bad energy mm-hmm. and that's why i want the house to be white so if there's anyone in any room a new person, I can autom- I can immediately see that this person. So I was like, "Wow, that's amazing! That's, that's fascinating." Yeah. So that was that, and then she helped me collect all my belongings from where I was living mm-hmm. to take me back. I didn't have a car, she, so she drove, and she's sitting in the car, and I'd gone into this apartment to bring stuff out, and I was coming out, and I came back to the car, and we got in the car, and we started driving back to her place, and she said, "I've got to tell you something. You have a spirit guide." or guardian angel, whatever you want to call it. I'm like, what? She said, yeah, you have a spirit guide, and I've just seen him. Oh. I said, oh, so tell me tell me more. She said, well, he looks as though he's um, um, from India, like an Indian person. He's very tall. Mm-hmm. He's wearing all this Indian garb, but he's on your right shoulder, and he's right behind you. She also said at another time, weeks later, that I had another spirit guide, and that was a Native American Indian girl. Oh, wow. And she said she's always giggling and laughing and she's always running around. So you have two guides with you. It kind of freaked me out because she, I took her to be serious because she was a smart woman. So I didn't think she was nutty. And I, and I thought, wow, I have a bloody spirit. It freaked me out. Every time I was on my own in the house, I didn't know whether I was going to open a door and there was going to be this spirit standing there. You know, yeah. it, it didn't freak me out. Yeah. But, um, 
I got used to the fact that I had a spirit guide, never saw it, never, never, you know, had no idea and, and just got on with my life. Mm-hmm. Now, that was in about 1985, 86. Okay. So I've left America. I've spent time in France. I told you about my French experience. Mm-hmm. I'm now in England. It's now the year 2000. So this is this is where it kind of gets all freaky and weird. Okay. So in the year 2000, um, my wife and I left London and we moved to uh, we moved to Warwickshire. Actually, we moved up to Warwickshire, and I got a job as a gamekeeper. Oh. So a gamekeeper um, in the UK are people that raise pheasants and partridge and grouse for people to come and spend lots of money mm-hmm. and shoot them. Right. I, I got this job on, on this big estate in Warwickshire, 6,000 acres, a big stately home and um, lots of villages within the 6,000 acres. And they all paid rent to the man of the, the lord of the manor and i got to know him very well and we became actually good friends mm-hmm. but i'm working for this gamekeeper so um at the beginning of my training he took me on a trip in his land rover around the estate to show me where we would raise birds where we would release birds where people would shoot the birds and we've gone off the road and we're going over fields and through streams so we've got a four-wheel drive land rover so we're way out in, into the into the middle of nowhere and there's a lot of forest a lot of oak trees in warwickshire mm-hmm. um it's well known for its oaks okay and uh, we came to a point to a place and he said right this this oak tree this great it was massive i mean they're hundreds of years old right. this oak tree is where we build what's called a release pen. It's about four foot high, uh, about 40 feet in circumference. And, um, and we build this pen and then we put these birds in it. We net, cover it with a net so the foxes don't get in. And then um, they, they're then released into the, into the, into the wild. Mm-hmm. So he's showing me this, this area and this tree. And, I, and I, I, I noticed this tree, this massive oak tree, had a flat top as though someone with a giant chainsaw had gone and cut the top off. It had like a crew cut haircut, you know, it was just like mm-hmm. straight across, just really weird. And I said, that's a weird looking tree. And he said, just matter of factly, yeah, that tree is haunted. Oh. And I said, um, I said, what you, what, what, I've never heard of a, a tree being haunted. He said, yeah, apparently the story goes that during the war, World War II, um, a Wellington bomber, with its crew of six were coming back from, I don't know if, I don't know if they'd been on a mission or, if, or whatever, but they were coming back to land at a, an airfield and they crashed into this tree and they took the top of the tree off and mm-hmm. it, it crashed literally meters away and they all died. So oh. and there was a crew of six and that tree never grew back to normal. It, it had this, as I say, a, a completely really unusual oh. flat top. Yeah. So I thought that was a really weird thing, um, but then thought nothing more of it. Just thought that's you know. So um, it was a day that I had to go and build the release pen, and I had a young sixteen-year-old boy helping me out. And 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 the funny thing is, this young lad, um, he'd said to me at some point before, "Oh, I can drive a car, and I can ride a motorbike, and I can shoot a gun, and I can do this, and I can do that." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, okay, okay." So I drove the Land Rover. We got to the to the tree. Uh, it was a beautiful sunny day, blue, blue sky, um, no wind, no breeze, nothing. Um, I'm wearing a white T-shirt. I put a, a, a radio on the bonnet of the car, so we've got music playing, um, and um, we start to build this release pen. And, and the oak tree is inside the pen. So the pen's about, the, 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 it's about four foot high. And, and as I say, it's about 40 feet in, you know, in, a, in a sort of circular. And um, we, this is where we're going to put these birds. So we're building this pen. I'm inside the pen. And as I say, it's a beautiful blue sky, no wind, no breeze. When suddenly the, the, I hear the lad shout, tree. And it's this massive, thunderous crack. And I, and I look, and this tree is splits down the middle and it's starting to come down on me right right onto me and i couldn't move i just froze right and i just the fear is incredible because it's you see this massive oak tree hundreds of years old solid and it's like 
this is how I'm going to die. This is this is yeah. where I. This is the end of my life. It's coming down, oh. and it sort of went in slow motion as well, you know. And this tree was starting to come, but as it came down, I heard this very powerful, freaky, spooky voice in my head, which said, "You will be mine." Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. So not only do you have the fear that you just, you're going to be crushed to death by a friggin' tree, you hear this freaky, freaky, weird voice. I've never heard a voice in my head before mm-hmm. then. I've never heard a voice in my head since. Mm-hmm. When you talk to people about voices in your head, the first thing they think, they're going to you think you're cuckoo anyway. People hear voices, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But people do hear voices. You do. It was, it was so clear. It was almost as if I had ear pods in mm-hmm. and I was listening to music or someone talking like I often listen to you with my earphones on oh. <laughs> it was so oh yeah yeah nice. I, I love what you're doing I think it's great thank you and and um yeah so that was the voice you will be mine oh. slow deep horrible in English but but nasty and then the tree came down on me and all I could do was I put my hands on my head and I crouched I just went down I crouched down yeah this thing came down on me. Um, there was immense pain in my head, top of my head. Um, I couldn't see a thing. It was dust, um, black, thunderous roar still ringing in my ears. And a part of me wanted just to go to sleep. And a part of me said, no, stay awake, stay awake. There was, it was two con- confronting um, feelings. Mm-hmm. Go to sleep, just go to sleep, stay awake. And, and I started to crawl out from under all this mess mm-hmm. and I put my hand I knew I had an injury because I could feel all the soft tissue on my top of my scalp and 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 I knew there was blood in my eyes and I crawled out and my white t-shirt was completely red oh. completely red so I was losing a lot of blood um, and I crawled out from under a massive massive um, beam of wood or a branch it was absolutely ginormous but it was shaped like, a, you know, when a caterpillar raises its body up before yeah. it extends. Yep. You know, that, that point like that, the tree had come down like that. And I, about three foot high, because I crouched right down, was in right in that spot there. Oh, Can you see what I'm doing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. If I'd been one foot that way, I would have been crushed to death. If I'd been one foot that way, I would have been crushed to death. It was an absolute miracle, to be honest, because yeah. it came down, and that's exactly where I was. And it just caught the top of my head. Oh, wow. And I managed to get back. Um, well, so I said to the lad, you've got to drive me back to the gamekeeper's house because I've got an injury. And uh, he didn't know how to drive a bloody car. <laughs> we, I think we drove three miles in first gear. Oh, he got geez. it in the first gear and we drove and and um my wife was able to come because she's a she's a doctor she's a gp oh nice. uh, and, he, and i called her i was able to press a button on my phone and she came and um so i had painkillers and she stitched me up and oh. i spent the week on, on, on my back but i took it back to see the tree i said after about a week or so i said look let's go back i said i'm all bandaged up and feeling better i said i've got to just show you this tree and we went back to look at it and it was absolute devastation um she said, I don't know how you survived. I really don't know how you survived that. Because everything was just smashed, smashed to pieces. This massive tree. It had split and the, and the half of it had come down on me. But she could see where that branch was. And I said, that's where I crawled out of. She said, it's incredible, absolutely incredible mm-hmm. that you were in that right spot right. at the right time. Wow. So not only did I survive because this tree landed the way it did but i heard that very deep powerful scary voice just before it came down and they had said it was a haunted tree they said it, i don't know if people had seen ghosts or spirits they must have seen something there sure um, but uh sit, there were six six crewmen that died at that site oh so but God. but what the dickens that voice was i have no idea so that's what i heard you will be mine you oh. will be mine and then boom Oh. Tree comes down on me. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash paranormal portal radio. 
as well as finding us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at Paranormal Portal, P-O-R-T-L. And uh, we'd love to have you stop by our YouTube page and subscribe and check out our shows there. We got hundreds of shows in our uh, our, our vault of <laughs> journeys into the paranormal portal. So I hope you'll check it out. Check it out, guys. We're over there at YouTube.com/slash/paranormalportal. So hope to see you guys soon. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So uh, stay tuned. But we love you all. Be good. Be kind. Be nice. Take care of each other. Help each other out. Find the magic in every day and remember to laugh as much as you can. Take care, everybody.